This is the Bags and Platt Podcast. Okay, welcome to the Bags and Platt Podcast. Thursday, July 30th, 2020. Very excited for today's show. Going to hit on a lot of sports world stuff today because there is a lot going on, even though you think there's not. We got Yankee baseball, we got golf, we got the corona problem, we got NBA, NHL starting up. Platt, how are you doing on this hot, muggy August or July day? I'm sorry today, but my man. It feels like August. I'm done with the humidity. I'm not complaining. I'm a summer guy, but it's a little sticky out there. But baseball's on. I'm excited. We're back to a little bit of normalcy here, and it's been utterly insane trying to watch some of these games. Yeah, how's the uh, how's the pool? You getting a good tan? Uh, how's the how's the day scene going over there? You know my tan game. I'm I'm pretty dark exactly. at this time of year, so I'm good now. All right. Well. Um, let's move to the Yanks. Uh, they are just mashing the ball. It's really a pleasure to watch. Any baseball is a pleasure to watch these days. But you don't even know a couple guys are not hitting because they're scoring so many runs like Gary Sanchez. People are a little worried about him. Uh, LeMahieu is starting off where he left, which is his best season of his career. Um, I kind of like what Boone's doing with the lineup. Uh, Torres doesn't look that great defensively. It's short. Judge is smashing the ball. Are you at all worried about anything this year except for injuries? So Sanchez to me is starting to be a concern because if you think about it, this goes back to last season. He was having trouble at the plate. And yes, he got hot at certain times and hit a lot of home runs, but striking out a ton not hitting for great average. The guy that we saw his rookie year and even a little bit of his second year hasn't really shown himself again. So, and, and you know my feeling on Gardner. Gardner, to me, I know he's supposedly a great clubhouse guy, but Frazier should be playing. Other guys should get a look. I respect the guy. Seems like he's awesome to play with, but the truth of the matter is he hits 260, hits 10 home runs, and I know he brings some speed and he's solid defensively, but... I think they got other guys that should be playing out there. What about you? I, I think so, too. I think Andujar is going to be a left fielder for, uh, I want to say, the next few years. I don't know his contract situation at the moment. Gardner, I'm kind of with you. Um, the clubhouse stuff can go as far as it can go. I also don't like his arm out there. Not that anybody really stretches a double and a triple anymore these days, but he doesn't have a good arm. You're right about 260. Andujar, Talkman, you got other guys that can step in there that have a lot of a lot of energy, a lot of youth. Uh, Gardner's getting up there in age. Um, I don't know how long that he can play. That's going to be the challenge, Bags. That how do you get all these guys enough at bats in a 60 game season? They obviously have a ton of talent and a ton of offense, but these guys also have to play, and that's going to be the biggest challenge for Boone. Is how does he set his lineup? that he gets these guys enough at bats where hopefully come playoff time, World Series time, if we get there after everything that happened this past week, how are these guys going to be fresh and locked in because they have so much talent? Yeah, and you don't want guys sitting for too long. And I know there's no minor leagues right now. But for the first time in, in a while, I'm saying to myself, wow, our bench is so good. Um, I thought our bench was the best ever in 96 when you had a couple Hall of Famers on the bench. Um just Boggs and Reigns and Strawberry, guys like Chili Davis. It was almost unfair to have that type of bench. Now, a lot of guys on our team could start on other teams that are going to ride the pine for 
for a good while. And obviously, you got to love what Cashman has done uh, because, you know, you don't see the, uh, the Mets across town really have a solid bench and a solid roster like us. We're almost spoiled at the moment, and Brian's done an amazing job with this roster. Um, he, he's done a phenomenal job, and I got to tell you, you, you brought up his name before. Watching LeMayu play baseball every day is special. He's a guy that they're going to have to figure out a way to sign this offseason, no matter what, because he's going to he's he's the one guy that I look at and I'm like, he might hit 400 this year. And I know that's a big if, but talk about a great bat and a pleasure to watch. He play multiple positions, hits for average. The guy basically had no summer camp because he was coming off of covid and he just you put him right in. And the guy's hitting 500 already. Yeah, it's an old school. He reminds me of Carney Lansford from the, uh, the late '80s uh, Oakland Athletics oh, team. He always put the bat. He always put the bat on the ball. You know, I'm not going to put him in Boggs's category, but when you don't strike out, it's almost more noticeable now in the in, in Major League Baseball because it's he puts the bat on the ball all the time, even when you, he makes an out. Um, and, and I did hear he's great to play with and, you know, I'm not saying he's Gardner or anything and he's been a Yankee a long time, but I heard he's great in the clubhouse. It seems like they're a great unit in that, in that respect where it's a lot of homegrown guys and you also have some, some veteran leadership and you have some guys that we got uh, via free agency, but I'm loving what I'm seeing out of him. And it's almost like a throwback nowadays, Platt. When you see a guy that can hit like this, play different positions, um, a la Randy Velarde, um, <laughs> you got good old number 18. You got to love a guy that can say, yeah, I'll play first base. I'll play third. I'll play second. And he does what he asks us to do. And nothing against Andujar, but Andujar is coming off an amazing hitting year. He never had a year like that, like that last year. And look, look what happened. Andujar probably had the best career of any third baseman in the Yanks in a long time. And then look what, you know, Gio does. So it's amazing what happened. And all of a sudden he loses his job because he got hurt. Now he's going to become an outfielder. But you know what? Like I said before, he could be our outfielder for the next five or six years. Yeah, it's, these are good problems to have. And before I believe we have a caller, before we get to the phones for a second, give me your take on the Mets right now. Here's what I think. Jacob DeGrom has to hit a home run himself to win the game. That's two games in a row. He doesn't get any runs. One of them they won. One of them they lost. But he is going – he's – First of all, he's the best pitcher in the game. He's coming out there. He's, th- he's throwing 100 miles an hour. He puts it where he wants. His splitter's nasty. His slider's nasty. And I think they're 3-3. Three and three. They just got to stay around 500. And it's really just a, a toss-up with uh, if you get into the playoffs. What I think about the Mets as a whole, their lineup uh, doesn't have a, a good defense. I watched him throw the ball around the other night, and Keith Hernandez, as you know, hates bad fundamental baseball, and that's where they are. They're not great. They're not bad, but I'll just say they're just okay. But they could stay alive in the NL. I mean, outside of the Dodgers, there's no team. I know the Padres are fun to watch. I know you know the Cubs will hover. The Cardinals are decent. The Braves are good, but there's no team in the NL outside of the Dodgers that you're like you're scared of. So for me, if I'm a Mets fan – as long as they stay around where they need to be this year, they could sneak into the playoffs. And yes, I understand that they have some bullpen issues and they got to figure out the closer. But 
That said, the NL East and the NL as a whole, minus the Dodgers, is still pretty wide open. Absolutely. So let's go to the phones. We have Mike from Ramsey, New Jersey. He wants to talk a little Yankee baseball, maybe some other kind. What do you got for us today, Mike? Greg, glad to have you on the Bags and Platt podcast. What's up, guys? Great show. Um, hey, I want to start off a little Yankees. Obviously, Yankees down in Baltimore. By the way, none of this fall, you'll, you won't hear anything about COVID for me. It's all about sports. Uh, I'm just really glad sports are back. Yeah, Yanks down in Baltimore. Listen, for all your listeners out there, a little tip. When the Yanks are down in Baltimore, you wake up in the morning, you brush your teeth, you bet the over. Don't even think about it. But <laughs> I, wanted to get your, I wanted to get your perspective on uh, just the Yanks and last night's performance out of Cole. For me as a fan, having Cole pitch for the Yankees, even when he doesn't have his best stuff and he's completely dominating that Little League team, uh, just amazing stuff. I w- want to get your uh, perspective on that. Uh, I'll take this first one, Platt, and then you can uh, add on. I think Cole is the second best pitcher in the game. Ironically, they're both in New York, DeGrom and Cole. I thought if Cole has a B-minus game, to answer your question, with the Yankees lineup, I don't think he should lose a game unless he just really, really has a poor outing, which I don't really see happening with 12 starts in the whole season this year. If he can maybe have... If he could have 10 or 11 starts, Mike, that are that are even decent, this lineup's just going to give him a lot of run support. Reminds me, this lineup reminds me, getting back to that A's team, when Bob Welch won the Cy Young in 1988-89 when they hit him and hit, uh, Dave Stewart. Bob Welch won the Cy Young with a 4.9 ERA. He was 25-7, and, and seven, but they just mashed the ball. So what, what we want out of Cole is why we got him, Mike, is for the playoffs and the World Series. Everything else is is gravy right now, but we want him yeah, to put us over that hump. Would you agree with that, Mike? You're great. Uh, you know what? Great point. You got two yeah, mics going on here right now. This is Platt. Real fast, I just wanted to jump in. He's won 17 or 18 games in a row, and what I love the most about watching him pitch is he is so freaking competitive. He was yelling at Sanchez in the dugout after the first inning about where he wanted the ball to go and what pitches he was calling. And if you really think about it, they haven't had a pitcher like this since Clemens, who I understand Clemens was in the, in the, you know, latter part of his career, but just from a competitive perspective to watch this guy pitch. And like you said, with the Grom, we are so fortunate and lucky here in New York to see these two guys. I agree. I mean, I love watching DeGrom pitch. Um, you know, I can't stand watching the Mets because they don't hit for him, but uh, DeGrom is amazing to watch. Um, what about – that's actually what's going to be my next question. Have you guys watched Cole and Sanchez, and what do you think of that dynamic between those two? Because I actually think – I know Coney was kind of taking it easy on him, but I actually think uh, Cole was getting on Sanchez last night. Yeah, I, I, that's what I saw. And and I think that could be one of the reasons why we talked about Sanchez is bad at the beginning of the show. And I'm not making excuses for him, but I have to imagine if I were Gary Sanchez, I'd be pretty intimidated catching Cole, knowing how good he is, knowing how he is a perfectionist and that he's crazy anal about everything he does. I think you almost have to go into the game and say to yourself, I, I got to focus on what pitches we're calling how I'm setting this guy up, what I'm framing things, and your at-bats are almost secondary, which the Yankees are lucky because their lineup's so good that they don't have to worry about Sanchez right now. But I 100% think that 
Sanchez is going to have to learn how to catch Cole. And you hope it doesn't get to a point where Cole's asking for another catcher because I know some of these pitchers can be drama queens and really, you know, be fixated on who's catching them. We don't want that. So I do think it's a challenge for Sanchez right now, and hopefully they get that straightened out. If you keep in mind, they've only had a few games to work together so far, but 100% I agree with you. Yeah. Hey, well, listen, Sanchez don't start hitting. Uh, Cole's going to ask for another catcher anyway. Um, hey, can we turn to football real quick? Absolutely. Go ahead. Yeah, huge Giants fan. Um, don't have high expectations going into the season. But trying to get your perspective, what are you looking for out of Judge? And what would you think is a good season for the Giants? Forget about record. What are you looking for out of, that Giants, out of the Giants season coming up? I think it's all going to be about the quarterback play, Mike, in, in, in the, both the Jets and the Giants. But we'll stick to the Giants here. You have Saquon Barkley, okay? Great, great player. But guess what, guys? We're wasting his good years. Last year and the year before, he hasn't really done that much. And the average, uh, I think the average age as a, uh, in, in the NFL as a running back is around six years. Right now, he is in his prime. Unfortunately, I don't see us getting good in the next few years to see the ceiling potential that he has. How is he going to do great if the quarterback plays is not doing well? How is he not going to run behind a, um, a great line and one of them actually just opted out for next year? Which is, another, yeah. which is a whole other category we, we're going to talk about today is opting out. Uh, Nate Solar, who was our, one of our biggest free agent pickups from New England, if you, if you recall. So if the quarterback play can be at least decent, that'll open up some holes for Barkley. And guys like uh, Golden Tate are going to have to have big years. But... First of all, I know you don't want to talk about the schedule, but the schedule is brutal, and we're not favored to win until week five against the Redskins, which is, doesn't mean good things for a quarterback that we're grooming to be our future. Do you like right. Jones? You mean the- Do you like Daniel Jones? That's my, that's my question to you. Me? Yeah. I, listen, yes. Listen, I like Daniel Jones. I like his size. Uh, I like his arm, uh, his makeup. And, you know, people always point to Duke as, as you know, it's not a really a quarterback school. It's not a big-time school. Um, you know, he, he worked with, uh, who's Eli's quarterback coach? Cutlip, right? I mean, Yes, the guy's and he worked, got all the he, he worked with Peyton, too. Yeah, the guy's got all the tools. Uh, pivotal year. You, uh, I mean, you touched on the Jets. Darnold's second year, nothing to write home about. Uh, this is a huge year for Darnold, whether they pick up his option or not. I don't know if Darnold realizes that. This is a huge year, and he's at a disadvantage with Adam Gates. I just—he's not a good football coach. I don't even know why uh, he's got a job. To tell you the goddamn truth, um, I mean, it's just going to add to the, just the long history of misery for Jet fans. Uh, right. Gates is not good, and uh, it puts Darnold at a disadvantage. The Jets can't seem to get out of their own way. I mean, this whole situation with Jamal Adams and, you know, I understand he wasn't in a contract year and I see both sides of the argument, but they're just always in the press for the wrong reasons. And I agree with you on Gase. I I can't figure him out. I mean, from his facial expressions to how he handled the team last year, where has this guy really been successful during his career? Where has he proven that he could be a great head coach and a winner? And this is New York. I mean, I actually... You know, I'm a Redskins fan, as Bags makes fun of all the time, so I have to endure 
losing season after losing season. But I think Judge actually was a good hire for the Giants. I think that he reminds me in some ways of Coughlin, a younger Coughlin, who I wasn't a fan of at the time, but you know, record and, and championships speak for themselves. And he found a way to get that team motivated and get them over the top with a great defense and Eli performing in the clutch when he needed to. I do think that he's the right guy for the job for the Giants right now. And I think he will be there for a while. And hopefully in a few years, we're talking about this on the podcast and you're both sitting here saying, you know what, you're right, Platt. Yeah, I agree. But, uh, you know, the, the gate thing um, is intriguing. I think if you look at the two hires that the, the New York football teams made, they definitely won with Judge. Um, first of all, just his presence in, with the media, 100% better than Shermer, clearly better than Gates. Um, he's, you know, I, right off the bat, and just the tone that he set, and from what I've been reading, and obviously we're not in there, but, the, you know, the preseason meetings with the players, the players are all raving about it. So I agree with you on Judge. Hey, hopefully he's not another Ray Hanley or Rich Kotite, and uh, we, we, we got a nice we got a nice hire. However, it's an uphill battle when I think we're still called a rebuilding team. We've had the draft pick in the top 10 for a couple of years now. We were never used to that. And if I look at next year, it's going to be hard to even go 500. So you're looking at another decent draft pick next year. Hopefully free agents uh, will want to come play for uh, Jones and, and or play with Jones and Barkley. So you got some you got some great young talent. I don't see a true leader on the team yet. Um, if I think back to all my favorite giant teams, um, the leader kind of sticks out. Um, the last one being uh, Eli and on the other side was Tuck. Now, who do you think can step up to maybe be a leader on this team, uh, maybe without stating the obvious Jones or Barkley, or do they have to step up and become a leader? Because this team definitely needs a little veteran leadership, which I don't think they have and they've been lacking for a few years. So, so I think you're, you're right. Yeah, go ahead, Mike. Go ahead. No, 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 go, go, go. You're the caller. Go ahead. I apologize. For me, it all it all comes back to if you stay on the field. So Saquon would have stepped in that leadership role last year if he didn't get hurt. Sterling Shepard would have been a leader on that team if he stayed on the field. They just don't have guys that are staying on the field. Which So when you talk about all the bad coaching and some of the bad drafting that Gettleman had, they've also run into some horrific injuries. The leadership will be the leadership will come from guys that are able to stay on the field. Sorry, Mike, go ahead. So what I was going to say, and here's the one thing, we've all been talking about Barkley and Jones and Shepard. The one thing to me when the Giants are at their best is you start the sentence with defense. They don't have a leader on that defense that I see that I know of. And when I think about the Giants, I always thought about defense first. And I understand it's a different era. It's new football now. And they have some great offensive weapons. But where and who is on that defense right now that's going to step up and become a leader and take them to the next level? Well, it's not Landon Collins anymore, Platt, because you got him. (laughs) But um, but but um, as 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 Michael, as Mike and both you will agree, it's really, really about defense in this league still. But it's really about the pass rush, just like like Jamal Williams. Just remember, he's a safety. Okay, he's no he's no end rusher. 
the end rushing is what won these Super Bowls, the last two at least, for the Giants with O.C. and Tuck and Strahan. Um, Human Europe was one of the had one of the best underrated games in a Super Bowl, and those guys are not here anymore. And I don't see any of them getting replaced. So I agree with you, Mike. I don't see anybody on the on the defense really stepping up to be a leader. But you know, forget about uh, safeties and Collins getting all this money from Washington. And I don't mind losing a safety. So I, I, the Jet fans shouldn't be that pissed. Although he's an All Pro for three years. He's a safety, all right. Let's be honest. You're like you want to shut down corner, and you want to you want at least two end rushers. Safety, I think they can rebuild in the draft. So I'm hoping the Giants can really get a pass rush because when those guys like Brady sit back in the pocket, if you give them time, the the cornerbacks can't touch the receivers anymore. There's no bump and run. So basically, you know. The, the defense really can't even touch the receivers anymore. So it's like a flag football game when it comes down to it, if you give anybody time. True. Hey, guys, real quick. Uh, love the show. Good luck with it. Uh, I, I got a drop. I got a big meeting with Steve Kelly. I'm trying to get you some sponsorship. So I'm going to cut out now. Good luck with everything. Awesome. Thanks love for the it. call. Thanks for the call, Mike. Platt, good stuff. Um, I got to tell you, um, I didn't think we'd go to the NFL that fast, but, you know, it got our juices flowing because this is, as you know, a pivotal year for these New York teams because I saw um, an article in the Post today about a tank for Trevor Lawrence with Darnold. So I think the doubt is slowly building for this Jet organization if Darnold really can be that quarterback. Have you seen enough out of him where I'm not asking you to give him Hall of Fame status in 10 years or tell me he's going to be all pro in a few years, but do you see from what you've seen enough of him where is he a 10-year guy where he's going to be, you know, the next, uh, you know, a a steady Pennington kind of like that player? It's hard to say. I feel like between, you know, he had the flu last year or mono, he missed the first half of the season for the most part. You know, the Jets are the Jets, sadly. And it's hard to tell. He has the potential and he's got the arm strength and he has the knowledge and the smarts and he understands the offense. Does he have the right tools around him? I I did not like the Le'Veon Bell deal at all. You know, he was a great back in Pittsburgh. His better days are behind him. The Jets aren't on the precipice of making the playoffs here or making a Super Bowl run. I just didn't think that was the right pick. And I, I get the Saquon thing before you start yelling at me, but show me the last 12 running backs on NFL teams that won Super Bowls. You probably can't name more than one or two of them. So for me, true, true. I, I think the Jets have spent money in some bad places. So to get back to Darnold, jury's still out. But you look, Allen's exciting to watch. You got a lot of good young QBs in the division in the league, obviously the Patriots situation, but going back to Lawrence, I mean, there are rumors that Belichick's telling all the Patriots not to play this year so that they can get the number one pick and draft him, which knowing Belichick, he's crazy enough to do something like that, but you're a Clemson guy. So genius, genius. Is is Lawrence, is is he the guy? Is is he going to be an absolute superstar outside of looking like he belongs on a beach in California? What, what's his MO? So basically, the reason why he's and I'm and I'm obviously I'm Clemson grad, I'm biased, but the reason why he is going to be 
really, really good is because he can run. Mike, he's Platt, he's really fast. He's faster than people think. And as I'm looking at today's quarterback, it's all about the former Clemson quarterback, Deshaun Watson, and it's yep. about Mr. Mahomes. What can they all do? They're athletic. They can run. They can actually throw on the run. And as you, uh, as we talked about before, how 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 really a, a pass rush is is so vital in this league. Say they have a pass rush, you're done if you can't run, Platt. You are done. And if, when these guys can roll out and make athletic plays, Lawrence can do that. And I got to tell you, the NFL is kind of leaning toward or moving toward the not Peyton Manning statue drop back guy, which you and I have always loved. We love the, the drop back guy. The days guy. of your boy Danny Marino are long gone, sadly. And you know what? Marino, he couldn't beat um, your dog in a race, okay? And he is very, uh, Lawrence is very, very fast. And I think that's the underrated part about him. Do I think he's a, um, an Andrew Luck who stepped into the league and completely was just you know, one of the best in the league in his first year? I mean, he was great. It was almost like he didn't even have a, a learning curve. Granted, he's a Stanford guy, very intelligent uh, person. But I, uh, but Lawrence is um, a, a definite good, good NFL player. Not going to say he's going to be a great one, but he's got a lot of upside. And by the way, a lot of analysts say that Lawrence would have been the number one pick uh, the last two years. So he's got a lot on his shoulders. Uh, he also just got engaged in the center of Death Valley, which was pretty cool. And you know, uh, Boomer Esiason said he gave another ring away. Because he lost the one to LSU, I didn't appreciate that, but a nice <laughs> little jab, nice little jab by Boomer on the LSU yeah. loss. But uh, I really think, uh, like uh, as I said again, vital year for both New York teams. And if I had to tell you who's going to win a Super Bowl, it's KC all the way. And by the way, Mahomes, the youngest sports owner in the history, find me something that this guy is not doing right. I, I love everything about him right now, and whatever he touches seems to turn to gold, aside from his billion-dollar contract, which my wife, and I'm sure your wife feels the same way. She's like, wait, how much money did that guy get? And I'm like, yeah, that much money. So everything he touches right now turns to gold, and I give him a ton of credit. But the caller before talked about you know Jones for the Giants being from – <laughs> for Jones being from Duke and the question mark there, I don't think it matters anymore what college you came out of because if you look at where Mahomes went to school and when you look at where Lamar Jackson went to school, you don't have to go to USC or Notre Dame or Miami. You can go to some obviously D1, but it doesn't have to be the prolific passing offense that we're used to seeing guys come out of. It actually makes you question things because if Darnold doesn't work out this year – then you start looking at it and you're like, okay, is USC's quarterback crop overrated over the past 10 years? Because every guy who's come out of there, I mean, who's the last guy? Carson Palmer? Because I know you're going to throw out Sanchez. Yes, he had a good year or two. Yes, the Jets had a great defense when they made those almost Super Bowl runs. But, you know, you get to a I'll point where throw, you're like, all right. I'll even throw, I'll even throw line art in that group too. Yeah, exactly. So the point is that colleges – it doesn't really matter as much as it did when we were growing up. We're old men now, but it, it, it didn't really, it doesn't matter as much now where you go to college. So 
just wanted to say that. I know we got a lot of other sports coming up. Yeah, and, and before be- you leave, I just thought of another USC that uh, really didn't make it. Remember Todd Marinovich? Of course, the left Mar- Marijuanovich. <laughs> that was a good documentary. Yes. He was an interesting character. Where do you want to go, Platt? So we got NBA and we got NHL starting this weekend. And I know we talked a little bit last show. You said NBA, you're not really juiced about, but you're happy it's coming back. NHL, you're like, dude, it's it's 98 degrees and humid out. Now I know what Florida <laughs> hockey fans feel like all year round. I'm excited that both sports are coming back. Obviously, it's been nice to get a taste of it with baseball. The leagues, it seems like, have done a really good job in terms of the bubble and, and the situation there. We haven't even talked about all that stuff, which probably isn't a bad thing right now because it's COVID enough. But are you excited to watch some NBA? Are you going to watch the games? Are you excited for LeBron to see if the Lakers can beat the Clippers, who's going to win the NBA and the NHL? Yeah, I actually am excited for what you just said, Lakers Clippers. Um, you know what I'll do? I'll slowly start watching in the in the beginning, but that's kind of where they weed teams out. Um, I'm looking right here. The Nets are playing the Magic 2:30 on Friday. I am going to put Dude, the that Nets, on. For, come on. Yeah, I'm going to put Give that me on. A break. For, I'm going to put that on for a few minutes and watch how bad it is because sometimes when something's so bad, you just can't turn the channel. Um, obviously if the Knicks were really in it, in it, that, that would be my, that would be my goal to see them maybe try to advance or upset someone. But when it comes down to it, you want to see Milwaukee versus LA and that's, and that's what I want to see. I want to see the two best teams, uh, from both conferences get in or uh, get in the finals. Um, I know the advertisers would like that too, but you're right. LeBron winning something for the Lakers. I mean, that is, especially after what's going on, that would be some cool sports history. It'll be the third team he wins with. Number one, it's the number two, it's the Lakers, and then he goes up in the rafters with Magic and Kareem and Wilkes and Elgin Baylor and West. I mean, he can really, really put himself not in uh, not the best player of all time. A lot of people argue that left and right, but he would put himself in in a as a sports icon. Winning for the Lakers is different than winning for the Heat and the Cavs, and I don't think anybody would disagree with that. But this guy, Giannis from Milwaukee, he is awesome to watch. And He's a freak. I'm, yeah. And I'm, um, so to answer your question, I'm, I'm going to dive in slowly, but there is other stuff on. If there was no baseball on, I would be all over it, especially with, you know, fan duel, play around a little bit. But I think this. This season was gonna spark was gonna spark some fans just because a lot of people don't watch baseball and a lot of people don't watch golf and all the power to them whatever they want to watch but basketball is up and down uh, it's 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 a timed sport so you're not watching 17 innings like baseball so yeah I'm I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna try to get into it but if 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 LeBron is playing you know Giannis in the finals yeah, that's must must see TV for a sports fan like you and I. I also think it's going to be really cool to watch the experience because obviously with no fans, the way the NBA is setting this up, I've seen the court, which I think we spoke about briefly last week. It looks really cool and different. The one thing I'm having trouble with watching baseball is no fans. Fox was digitally putting in fans. It looked horrible for the certain angles. They did it. They had those freaking cardboard seats 
or cardboard pictures in other stadiums. Dusty Baker dropped an F-bomb the other night, which I thought was awesome when Joe Kelly went headhunting. And that's something we didn't even touch on. So for me, it's like it's it's challenging watching baseball with the fake crowd noise coming in and out. I think basketball is going to be really unique to watch without the fans because of how they're making the court somewhat insulated. So I'm pretty pumped for that. Yeah. Um, what about uh, the Corona? If anything happens with the NBA and the bubble, do you think the Corona can maybe give uh, – a little problem for uh, Commissioner Silver because right now they're looking pretty solid. I don't think anything's happening with the NHL. Looks like the Florida Marlins or the Miami Marlins, I should say, are, uh, are a total, total disaster for the sport. And what worries me, if anything happens within the NBA with Corona, I mean, they're all uh, the bubble thing can go out the window. So... Do you think anybody with uh, on on these rosters, if they get sick or test positive, would alter the playoffs or put a pause on the on the whole league? I don't know what they do. It's actually a great point. If somebody in the bubble does get it, I'm, Adam Silver is a hell of a lot smarter than me, so I'm sure he's got some great contingency plans in place. But right. I'm more concerned about the NFL. I, I know we spent a lot of the show today talking about that, but. What is that league going to do as it gets colder? These guys are face to face with each other, tackling each other. Like they they should use baseball as a blueprint as what to do and what not to do as things start to move forward. Like MLB, obviously the schedule is pivoting. Yankees are in Baltimore right now. They're supposed to be in Philly. I think the players as well as the league right now has done a good job at being flexible with everything that's going on. But should this go down in a bubble? I don't know what the hell is going to happen. And if I'm Roger Goodell and I'm the NFL right now, I'm taking serious notes as to what's going on with MLB because they're going to have the same challenges with teams flying all over the place, especially when it's cold out and it's flu season. And I'm no doctor, but I know those things are coming. Yeah. And Mike, while we're we're on the NBA, I just happened to hear that the Knicks got a new coach. So (laughs) lifelong Nick fan. Your father was a lifelong Nick fan. It's in your blood. I want to get some feedback from you. I believe it was really the only hire. But what do you think about Mr. Thibodeau coming to the garden, running their asses off, having having his hard-headed ways about him, stepping in to his dream job, as he calls it, and being called a mastermind defensively where they do not play defense anymore. Give me your thoughts on the new hire. Congratulations to your franchise, Platt. I'll be rooting for him. What do you got? So I like the hire. I think you ha- this was the guy you had to hire. There were a lot of other coaching candidates out there that had question marks around them. They thought Jason Kidd would potentially bring Giannis, but then what if he doesn't? There were, you know, the guy from San Antonio who has no coaching experience, but has been around Popovich. Thibodeau is a proven winner. And you know what? For me, growing up, and I know that a lot of the younger kids now hate hearing this, but the Nick franchise won. And when they were fun to watch, they played great defense and they were gritty and they beat people up. And I know it's a different league now, but Thibodeau to me was the only choice that would have been viable given everything that's going on. Jason Kidd to me was a great ball player, hell of a point guard, unbelievable vision, but head coach, I don't know, huge ego. You know, it's one of those things where you look at most of these athletes who are phenomenal athletes, they don't always make the best managers for a whole host of reasons. So for me, Thibodeau, a defensive mentality, I like the hire. 
you know, the Knicks are a franchise where there's a million things that could always go wrong. It seems like how they're going to botch this one, what's going to happen with Thibodeau. But hopefully this is a, a second or third step in the right direction. They still need a superstar. I love RJ Barrett's game, but unfortunately in vintage Knicks form, they didn't get the one or the two and get Zion or Ja. They ended up with RJ, who's a great player, but I don't see him as your number one guy yet. Just my opinion. So I'm excited for the Knicks next year. we got to wait another year for the Knicks. But at the same time, I think Thibodeau is a good hire. I think they're in the best place they've been in in a while. That said, you know, they're still, when are we going to win 50 games again? Are we ever going to make the playoffs again? Are we going to be relevant? Still the most valuable franchise in the NBA, I believe. And the team hasn't made the playoffs in like 20 years since we were playing hoops in our driveway. Right, right, right. Hey, by the way, um, and I'll say one more thing about the Knicks. I'll give them one word. This hire meant stability. You know what I mean, Platt? It's yep. kind of like, okay, we got this guy in. He's not some guy off the street. He's not a jerk off. He has a resume. He's, uh, he's got a good, uh, a good uh, win-loss record in the NBA. He's done it at two different franchises. Okay? They're, st- they're stable. Right now, you can just say, okay, the Knicks are in a good place. They made a good hire. Are they going to make the playoffs next year? They may not. But if they get a team in the Garden that can play good basketball, play tough basketball, play play Tom Thibodeau type of basketball, then people, first of all, they already fill the seats, then people can at least get a little excited about the franchise, which you haven't seen in a long time. Now, getting back to your driveway growing up. God, it was the greatest place to grow up. We basically were outside every day. And when it got dark out, Bags and Platt went home. Usually we're at Platt's house. So this morning, my two kids are fighting Platt. And it was over a video game, playing Fortnite. And I said to my wife, I said, I should just go down there and take the controllers. We brought them upstairs. There was a little, little physicality going on. And I said, why don't we just take the controllers and let them figure out what to do. She goes, well, there's nothing else to do. I go, oh yeah? Ugh. Why don't we Why don't we just get rid of the video game and watch them maybe try to use the bike we spent so much on or all the sports equipment and bats and balls and the brand new glass backboard we got in our, in our driveway. And I said to myself, wow, I can't wait to talk about Platt on the air about COVID would have been so much harder on us because Every day, I just got on my bike and drove to your house, whether we played hockey, wiffle ball, stick ball, basketball. And guess what we even did? And our audience is going to love this. When it was raining or snowing out, we would roller skate in his tile basement in the early 80s with music going on, hitting slap shots into your parents' sheetrock, making holes. I mean, you could make it up. And then when it was time to go home, and by the way, Platt, we did play some Nintendo. So we were, it wasn't like we just were outside all day, every day, but that was what we did. There was no phones. There was no time to come home, texting. We were outside the whole day. We figured it out. We played what sport was on TV at that time. And it was, the, it was just a great childhood. And not only did, that, uh, did we love it, but it made us into who we are today in so many ways on the athletic field, competitiveness, friendship. Not a lot of people talk to each other as long as we have. And it started on the driveway. Yeah, I mean, I think about it. Some of the best days of my life 
were spent on that driveway playing sports with our with our boys from when we were younger just playing like you said till the sunset you were drenched dripping sweat we probably played four sports a day went inside my mom was smoking salem ultralight 100s <laughs> still can't comprehend how she did that a lot but of oreos a lot of oreos a lot of doritos we ate the house out constantly but such a great time and you're right like my i have an 11 year old daughter now and there'll be times where i walk in she's just glued to her phone she's like i'm i'm bored and I'm just like, how can you possibly be bored? There's 4 million things that you can do outside. And she's very athletic and loves sports. And she's a huge Rangers fan and Yankees fan, et cetera. But those were, to me, the glory days. Like, I loved that time of, of from a sports perspective, just the long summer days, sitting in the driveway, playing every sport, emulating your heroes. And, and for our listeners out there, and I know Bags, you're going to get pissed at me, but this kid was one of the most incredible athletes you've ever seen, considering he's only 5'8". He was a spectacular athlete. And I got better from playing with him. And we had some of our best days. And hopefully we can get some of our friends to call in in the weeks ahead. You guys can hear some good stories about it. But I loved it. And I miss those days. Yeah. Actually, next week, we got a, a, a special guest who grew up uh, around our area, not our neighborhood, but grew up in our town. And he has some great stories from growing up and living the life at the old mill and going to Fusco's and all that stuff. So next show should be pretty entertaining. And uh, we look forward to it, Mike. Pleasure, man. Have a great day, everybody. 